All right. Well, Neil, I'm I'm recording on this end. Are you are you recording that? End? Yep. <clears throat> um, and I I'm recording, and I have a man here doing a sketch of it. So <laughs> <laughs> every well, single thing is covered. Of I thought of everything. You thought you guys did. Hey everybody, we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. Uh, many, many, many announcements of new shows. We're just adding shows left and right. I'm doing shows in New York City at the City Winery. I'm doing shows in East Hampton. I'm doing a show at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. I'm doing a show, so many. Uh, just go to burbigs.com and see uh, Bloomington, Denver, New Haven, Philadelphia, Austin, Boston. Uh, all of these are on burbigs.com and you can sign up for my mailing list uh, to get the most updated information. Um, our guest today, one of my favorite comics. I mean, this guy, and one, honestly, one of my favorite comedic minds. He's a co-creator of, of the legendary Chappelle show on Comedy Central. Uh, he's a director. He's a writer. He's a stand-up comedian. He created a comedy special called Three Mics, which is on Netflix, one of my favorite comedy specials of all time, which delves into really sensitive subjects of depression and, and, and mental health and, and interweaves it with stand-up in a way that is uh, truly remarkable. One of my favorite comics uh, also, you know, pushes the envelope. You know, he's, he's an edgy comic in the truest sense of the word. Uh, so, so if there's topics that you don't want to hear about, this would not be the episode because he talks about everything. Um, enjoy my conversation with the great Neil Brennan. It's funny, I was listening, I'd never listened to Three Mics, which was your hit Netflix special that uh, I saw in the theater, because we were doing the show at the same time when I was doing Thank God for Jokes. You you were, you know, basically sharing the stage every night and doing Three Mics. And then, so I saw it live, I saw the special on Netflix, and then for the first time I listened to it, and I was- This may be seem unprofessional, but I've never listened to it. <laughs> I figured you hadn't. Because there's you know, some things that would have changed? I'm kidding. Well, no. You know why? It, it only occurs to me. There's one bit where I'm like, oh, that's visual. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. It's, it's the sexual positions bit that I'm like, yeah. oh, that's, that's visual. And, and like, it's killing. Like, it's killing. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where that's, I'm trying to drive traffic. <laughs> the uh but it's funny because the audio i found to be i i was moved in the theater i was moved in, on the special the audio i found completely moving and 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 it i i found myself simultaneously like moved and envious and in admiration of your of work that you're able to do this thing which is it's joke after joke after joke and they're so strong and you're very lightly threading a narrative through it all about your dad. And that's very real. And it's you're, you're on depression and, and, and uh, the roots of your depression. And, and it's at the end, it just sneaks up on you. 
and mm-hmm. it snuck up on me, and I can see how long is left on the track. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Michael, um, I I I'm standing. You, I'm standing on your shoulders, Michael. <laughs> if at all, I'm not. It's not. It's, shoulders implies that I'm in any way above you. But the the without uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend, none of this is possible. Do you really like, think I so? I absolutely no. Because I'd done an hour on Comedy Central that I liked and had. I was like thought they had a ton of great jokes in it and did well in the ratings, and then no one cared. Wow. And I was like, I well, I'm never doing I'm not gonna glibly stand on stage again for an hour. Oh my gosh. Like the, I just I'm cannot do that again. Because it's like uh something about me, people just don't I don't know. It just didn't resonate. Not it I it I it didn't resonate's probably the wrong word, but I just I didn't think that it was valuable, or other people didn't think it was valuable. So I was kind of thinking of a different thing to do and saw that, or maybe I'd already seen it and was thinking like, I should, I, I wonder if I could do like a show with a bit of a dramatic thrust or at least a through line. And, wow. and, and based on that, but I'd also gone to see bridge and tunnel. Sure. I always like looking back, I was like, Oh, I was, I saw, I think I saw Eric Bogosian live. Like I saw, I was always kind of keeping up with like the New York one person show. Yeah. Scene, which isn't really a scene. It's like one or two people a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, same. Yeah. I was watching solo shows for years. I saw Bridge and Tunnel as well. And then and then I wrote Sleepwalk with me for similar reasons where I was like, I was like, I think I could make more of an impact with something that landed somewhere emotional. Yeah, and there's, it's partially, it's like, as I'm sure it is, it's kind of a marketing decision in a weird way. Like, not like it's craven, but you kind of go, well, what am I, what's the better use of my talent? You know, it's like it, it, when people do pilots, they, it's all, it kind of comes down to like, is this the best use of you? Right, because because you're a film director, TV director, film writer, TV writer. You 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 have all of the component parts, and you're a stand-up comedian. You have all the component parts of creating something that is greater than the sum of its parts. You have all those facilities, and so Ostensibly, you basically yes, you just made a decision. You're like, well, I'm just going to put it all together. Yeah, and it it is like, and it's not even as as. Uh, uh, you know, capitalist as like, I got something that they don't got. <laughs> I can write narratives. It's just uh, like, ah, well, they that's kind of popular, but there's, I was never going to be, you know, whoever you want to put in the list of like crushers who do arenas. Yeah. I was, there are guys that are better at talking glibly for an hour than me. So why would I even bother playing that game like when i'm just going to come in at best i'm going to come in 25th that's fascinating Whereas because i in one in one man show world or one one person show world i can come into the top 10 or top 5 it's you me and hannah gadsby <laughs> mm. yeah so like 
Yeah. So that's the that was my thinking with that. But it was general, and you know, and I told Rock to watch your special, and like, yeah, that was like, like the it, nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you got, you convinced Chris Rock to watch my special, then he called me. Yeah, yeah, and it was like the, it was like one literally one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> you won a radio contest. I, it, it was um, as though I won a radio contest because yeah. you, I mean, you literally told him for like three years. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, watch this, and then you don't. And it's one of those things when you tell someone to watch something, you have to. You, you, do you ask them if they watched it? Do you want? Do you do you are do you be annoying about it? Yeah. Like, hey, where are we with that thing? I told you. Like, it becomes like a their job. And yeah. And they start ducking you because they didn't watch it. Whatever. Uh, but I I told him for a long time, and then that that was I think influenced his tambourine special. It's funny because it's like. <laughs> there's this great when i was researching you who are uh-huh. who's my you're my friend and then i'm researching you like it's, biz- <laughs> it's bizarre. yeah creepy yeah. <laughs> like what what don't i know about neil no, but that's you ever listen it. to people's interviews that you're friends with sometimes you're like oh i didn't know that no of course of course yeah I, so, I, yeah, so mine, mine, mine was that there's this hollywood reporter article from like 2019 about how you're it calls you like the Hollywood comedy whisperer you're because you're like the most thanked <laughs> comedian by like yeah. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Michelle Wolf, John Mulaney, Amy Schumer, et cetera, my, myself. And uh, and uh, it's just uh, I it, I found it funny because I don't find that you whisper that often. Well, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm opposed to whispering. <laughs> um, <laughs> It doesn't, you can't get a point across whispering. I used to whisper, I will say about whispering, I, and this is a directing thing. I, if I have to give someone a direction on set, I will try to whisper. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think it's rude. Once, if I'm, if, if I'm directing a scene, if you're directing a scene, an actor does something and I yell a little more sad, (laughs) <laughs> then they feel they're on the hook with the yes. whole crew. Yeah. Then everyone's watching like, can they do it more said? Yeah. Um, a bunch of teamsters going like, I don't think he, he's got that gear. Um, so I do try to actually whisper. And I remember the first time I was doing auditions with somebody that I'd never worked with before. And I went and whispered in an auditioner's ear. They were like, you have to tell us what you said. <laughs> that's funny and i was like oh okay i told him that it's like i don't know just see if it's better or not uh because i just think it puts the people on spot and it becomes this weird power thing what's the best note what's the best note that you've ever gotten on your solo performance um i don't that's i mean i remember rock saying uh, You're speaking of the, it, the the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. The, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Chris the Rock, Rock. Um, I it was Rock told me that if you're in with three mics, I'm in these little areas, and he was like, if once you're in that area, even when you're doing stand up, if you're walking, you cannot leave your area. Yeah, that's super smart. Which is kind of obvious or something, but but a good note. And then Dave Chappelle gave me a good note for the overall thing he saw like the second time i did it or something was pretty 
embryonic. And he said, uh, there was a point where I, I, at the beginning, I identified each mic. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yes. And then he was like, just do it. Oh my Don't gosh. Tell people. Um, I got, I got, I got, I got to say, I saw a version where you call out the mics. And then when I listened to the audio today, you took that out. And I thought yep. that is so damn smart that he pulled that out. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, I feel like that guy, he's going to go places, right? Finally, finally. Well, no, that's the thing about Dave that people don't, would never know. It's like, yeah, he's an incredible speaker, but it's also like a philosophy of filmmaking, television, any kind of theatrical. He's like, he had a fix for, Chappelle had a fix for, um, what was the Tom Hanks movie? He had a fix for the road to perdition. That's hilarious. That if they'd done it, would have made the movie twice as good. Wow. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, he's just, he's just, it's these, he's a Martian. I, re- like he's, I, I remember seeing Road to Perdition in the theater because there's this monologue uh, that the actor gives where he, he goes uh, to Tom Hanks, who I think plays his son, goes like, uh, mm-hmm. or son figure. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, it's the life we choose. It's the life we live. And it always stuck with me. Because I always think of comics yeah. as that way. As like, as like we're, we're on the road. We have these really unorthodox hours. We work on the weekends and everybody else is off on the weekends. Correct. So we're, at, we're working at night. We're, yeah, we eat yeah. on the run. Like we don't, do, almost none of it lines up with most people. Completely. And and I always yeah. think of that monologue, which is I think Paul Newman. Am I getting that right? Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you Chappelle's fix real quick, which is you know how Tom Hanks comes in at the end, and then there's a there's a killer behind him. Yeah. Chappelle's fix was put Tom Hanks entering about a third of the way into the movie. Oh, that's nice. and then reveal the killer at the end oh that's really nice which is just like punchline shit but like yep i'm sure no one pitched it that's fascinating Um, when you were when you co-created Chappelle show with dave was it like was it like simon and garfunkel-y or was it like i mean i'm trying to think of a better analogy was it like two very different voices uh combining to create one thing or do you think that you shared a brain sort of thing i think closer to the second meaning like there were very few things that we weren't that we were in disagreement on in terms of i mean the joke i would make is like if i don't like an idea it's probably not going to get on the show if dave doesn't like it it's definitely (laughs) (laughs) yeah because he for the most There's there's a thing uh that i used to say which is tom york from Radiohead said that um, he once said that Radiohead is the United Nations and he's the United States. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so a great, like, that's a you great know, one. Yeah, but it's also the guy jumping out of the plane is no, the only guy. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, it's like Seth Meyers always says, like he learned at SNL. Like if somebody doesn't want to do it, you, they don't, you can't make someone do it. No, that's a huge thing. Like, no, even, I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you, this will work. No, I mean that that's the that's the whole thing. It's it's almost directing is like that in general. It's almost like you're a therapist for your patient, which is the actor in some ways, because you're trying to get them to arrive at the revelation that you hope they arrive at, because that's the gold on screen. Yeah. I, it's hard to it's hard to plan it. Yeah. Because it's also like if they already are there, then there's no you don't have to direct them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you also know most of directing is like faster. <laughs> go faster. <laughs> yeah. Literally go faster. Uh, hey, favor your left. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. a lot of it's just physical shit and not so much like emotional, you know, it's some, it's like 20% that, but 80% like, Hey, with this doorknob sticks completely. So when you come in, you got to slam it, you know? Well, it's funny. Cause like I, w- I was talking to Keegan, Michael Key the other day who called me. And by the time this, this airs, this will, people will have seen it, but he called me to tell me he's hosting SNL. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Which is exciting because it like circles back to the movie we made together where he was yeah. auditioning for SNL and gets on. And, uh, and, uh, but he was, a, he was a great, some actors, Keegan's like this, some actors are so great to work with because they're just on the team. They're like, let's crack this together kind of thing. Right. And then, and then some yeah. actors are kind of like, uh, they, it's almost like they're a fish on the line or something. They're like fighting you. Well, yeah, and it's it's also like, what? Why did you do it? Why did you decide? <laughs> why to are do we this? doing this project together? Yeah, like if you don't think, what part of it did you like? Like what part of the script did you like? I also think people in comedy are good because they'll just say, "Tell me how to say it." Oh my gosh! Yes, you're absolutely right. Which actors will never say, "Tell me how to say it." Whereas comedy people know, like, there are 10 ways to say this line. One is the funniest. Tell me the funniest way to say it. The thing that I read, I don't know if you, if I heard this in an interview you did or I saw it in writing where you said the thing that you're best at is getting Charlie Murphy to tell a story. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said that, I said that on, on, on the Instagram. And then when I, when I read that, I went back and watched the Charlie Murphy sketches and I don't think I've laughed that hard in years. Yeah, they're in, it's just incredibly funny. It's just unbelievably, I like shot it, uh, whatever, co-conceived it, right, did all, everything there. But I mean, that that's just, a lot of it's, it's some of it's editing, some of it's production, but it, a lot of it is just Dave uh, channeling something. Like there's no other word for what he did by, play, by playing by playing Prince and by doing and Rick James. Rick James was the one that oh, was yeah. like, "What do you like?" He didn't even remember half the shit he said. Stepping away from my conversation with Neil Brennan to send a shout out to Magic Spoon, my favorite cereal, and the tastiest cereal that I'm allowed to eat because it tastes like sugar cereal, but it's not sugar cereal. It's got no sugar, zero grams. It's got 13 grams of protein. It's got only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. You can build your own box. You can go to Magic Spoon and uh, make a custom bundle 
The They got cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. I, I like frosted. That, that's just me. That's the one I like the most. Go to magicspoon.com slash burbigs. Promo code burbigs. Once again, go to magicspoon.com slash burbigs. Code burbigs to save $5. And now, back to the show. Do you have people come up to you uh, and talk about their own depression because of three mics? Mm-hmm. They don't, uh, the good thing about depressed people is they don't come up to you that much. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> but they'll, they, they'll DM the shit out of you, Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of DMs, like a lot of DMs. Um, yes. Kind of every day there's at least one more than more than the um you kind of help me get through a tough time which i think a lot of comedians get it's um it's i talk about treatment in the special yes that's right so like a you lot talk of about people ca- tell me you talk about ketamine you talk about ketamine the mag- i talking about the, the, yeah the magnets the mag tms is the, mag- the transcranial magnetic stimulation a lot of people tell me they've done it because they heard about it in the special. Wow. Uh, I would bet, I don't know, 50 people have said that, um, that I'm aware of. So like that to me is uh, super cool and gratifying. Not in like in any way that I'm like, Mike, I'm saving lives. I don't know about your special, Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but it's just cool. It's just like, oh, great. And it's funny and like, that's a that's a that's a unintended consequence, but that's also the thing that I learned, and I'm sure you've learned a less uh, version of it, which is I remember members of my family, a sister of mine, said some of the effect of like, "Are you you didn't want to ask us before you put said all this stuff publicly about the family?" And um, and but I think what she realized, what I realized is. Every single family, the feedback is like, yeah, that's like my family. Or right. it's no one judges it. It's just, it's like everyone's got dirt. I just said ours first. Yeah. You know, like I'll go first and then litany of problems. Yeah, that was my experience when I watched it was I was like, oh my gosh, this feels completely like my family, even though my dad's not an alcoholic and my dad, you know, yeah. like, but, but yet I completely saw myself in, in the story, which is, the best version of it. Yeah, it's just that uh, families are an ecosystem and like they get that way for a reason. And it's like, so that's that's the thing that I think people, it wasn't, da- it wasn't damning our family, really. Yeah. The one that blew my mind in Three Mics when I first saw it live was when you talk about being a star fucker and you're like, yeah. you're like, I get off on like being friends with stars. Like it gives yeah. me a hit of dopamine and it's like, I was like, wow, that feels so inside. And yet I relate to it and, it, and the audience loves it. Well, because it's that's the only thing in the show that I'm actually embarrassed by. And not like I walk around embarrassed, but it was like um, going to therapy. I realized at a certain point in therapy, like you have to tell on yourself. Oh, 100%. Yes. You have to tell on yourself. Yeah. Or it just doesn't work. So if you're doing a show 
and you don't tell on yourself in some yeah. way. That's your thing about the prostitute in the la- in the in sex the, the worker in the, in, yeah. in Amsterdam in yeah. the new one where I was like that was the first thing I said to you after, mm-hmm. and you were like, "Yeah, I've gotten some notes about cutting it." I were glass. My producers thought I should cut it, and my brother Joe thought I should cut it. Who are two extremely smart people, uh, who were just were always uncomfortable with it. And my director and Seth and I felt strongly that it's it's essential for the show because because I think that you have to admit your flaws in order for the audience to truly uh, see themselves in you because they're flawed. Yeah, I have a thing in my new show where I say like I like my dog. I don't think I love him. <laughs> I don't think I love him. I like him a lot. Yeah. But I'm a- not, I'm just not, my constitution isn't such that like, I'm like, he's my very good friend roommate. He's not my son or any of that shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing in the that you said to me when you came backstage after the new one on Broadway, because you're, I would say, my most honest friend off stage, <laughs> is um, you go, um, uh, better than thank God for jokes, not as good as my girlfriend's boyfriend. Like, and I was like, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah, and do you agree with that? I think that's fair. I think, yeah, you know, they're all all these you know, things that you create, they're your children to some degree. And so yeah. like, it's hard to be like, I, there's some days where I'm like, no, no, I love, thank God for jokes, whatever it is, whatever thing you made. Yeah. But there's no, you know, it's, it's not, it's not quantitative. Yes. I don't think that that's going to automatically, that's not going to be the consensus per se. But yeah. I also think it's like, I remember seeing a Jay-Z interviewer somewhere so, or I, he was on Twitter when an album came out and somebody was like, is this your best album? He's like, no, nah, it's probably like my fifth best. Oh my God, that's hilarious. And I just thought like, <laughs> well, I got some news for you. I own the other one, so I don't think I'm going to get this. Oh, that's um, great. If you didn't, if you didn't, I think there's something to be said for, I think there's something to be said for um, thinking about the stuff of yours that's the the that is the most successful and not and then not designing it based on that but i know i knew once three mics hit that i kind of have to do shit that's emotional yeah i just kind of i'm like okay i have to do that now so so yeah like there's something and so it's just about thinking of those. You're very good at, you told me, you've explained to me like how you kind of devise shows. But I think that's the, knowing the thing that is like the, 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 the mile markers or the, whatever, the, the, the markers of the, what, what are the pillars of a good show for you? You know, I think once you realize that, I think you're able to do more of them. You know, yeah, like, yeah, didn't yeah. you realize at a certain point, like, what did you do after, after sleepwalk with me? Did you kind of, that's, I did girlfriend's boyfriend. I need to I, do that. Yeah, I did. Right. Did, but boyfriend. did you, did you know, you kind of had the same conclusion? Like, well, now I kind of have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> I was like, I have to do this. And then when I did thank God for jokes, it was, I was so sick of doing things that were emotional 
that I was like, I'm gonna go out on tour and just do the funniest jokes I can write. And then in the process of doing that, I was like, oh, the arc is about jokes themselves and the nature of how they they cut both ways, how you live by the well, sword. Well, yeah, and you die were by probably scared when you went out. Well, when you do your just joke shows. Yeah. You're probably, I know I, when I did like, I did an hour and a half, it's on Netflix and the other half will be in the new show, but like, where I was like, well, I'm not, there's not going to be any through line. It's just me being funny. And you think it, the audience will be disappointed. I think the thing we both underestimate is like, the audience is also a little relieved <laughs> that, that they don't have to hear about sad shit. Yeah. They're sure. like, you know, there's value to glibness. I yeah, think yeah. we just be glib. That's fine. We don't have yeah. to come to any conclusions emotionally. Um, so I think, yeah. The other thing you said to me, <laughs> we went we went to dinner after you came to the show at the, on Broadway, and 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 you go, uh, uh, I, I wrote these three tags. <laughs> it's like the show's done, Neil. Oh yeah, <laughs> you had like joke tags, and it's like, yeah. and I did, and I and I, and I did consider them. I brought them all to my director, and we kicked them around. But like, it's a, it's a, there's a unique generosity that you have about jokes, and I don't know if it's generosity or just a compulsion like are you just obsessed with comedy that you're just like what about this what about this what about this like your brain just can't stop thinking of joke tags yeah but it's i mean i think it's partially like uh i like seeing people do my shit like that's how i got started yeah like that's how i met day i mean i was working the door to comedy club and like would just pitch jokes to people and it was annoying. I remember Chappelle said the first time I pitched him a joke, he was like, he was like flinching. Oh my gosh, that's like, hilarious. oh fuck, I hate this. And then it was a good joke. And he was like, oh, he was like, oh, that's a riot. That. Like it goes from the worst, <laughs> from the most presumptuous <laughs> thing in the world to thank you for that life preserver. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I hate this to like, oh, okay, great. Um, so yeah, you and I have that in common. We both started at the door. I was I was at the DC Improv and you were at the Boston Comedy Club in New York City. And you uh you gave joke tags to Dave Chappelle and I uh uh gave uh, jokes to no one. I was the door I was just the door person. Um yeah. no, I it's just I like it, but I also think it's like good uh if I think of a tag for you, I'm never going to use it. Totally. Like that's so what I like about I this. That's what I like about this show. Is like we kick around jokes, and it's like, yeah, if Taylor Tomlinson comes on the show and she runs something by me, and I go, "What about this line?" I'm never going to use that line. No. There's no. There's no shame. There's no harm in giving someone a tag for their concept. Yeah. Like there's none. Like it's you. It's almost like. Uh, it would be bad karma not to. Yeah. Like you, you have, to, I don't know. You kind of have to. Yeah. Not legal, but you know what I mean? Like just spiritually. <laughs> um, you've worked with every, like not every big comic, but you've, you know, it, like that article, the, the comic whisperer talks about you work with Trevor Noah and Schumer and uh, Rock and all these people. Uh, who's the best? Ellen, that's the big one. Uh, Ellen. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. Mm -hmm. um, who's the best? 
who's the funniest? Yeah. <laughs> if I had to go on the road, finally, someone asked me. Um, <laughs> no, well, the, the thing that's impressive about them all is like, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't work with any of them go like, it's a fraud. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You don't literally not one of them. Every single one of them you see like, oh, okay. At some point they, like Alan one time did probably 15 minutes of crowd work at, at Largo. And I had the thought like, this is the best crowd work I've ever seen. Yeah. That's amazing. Literally every decision she made was the right decision. She's a killer. She's she's one of the she yeah, she's one of the comics who when I was a, when I was younger and I was just understanding what stand up comedy was, Stephen Wright and Jake Johansson, all these people. She's one of those people where I, I w- was a complete killer, complete she's killer. Just and, a, but if absolute, you grow up in this she's generation, a killer. Yeah, but in this generation, if you grew up on Ellen. You know, she's a talk show host. Yeah, you she's don't great. know. Yeah, she's, she's a talk great show. at that. She's a very great talk show host, dancing, et cetera, et cetera. But like, also don't forget. Yeah, she's. A, I mean, she's also like very cutting. In a, she's very much a comic. Where, um, uh, I it, this is just a a small, like I was wearing a uh, like a ten dollar Timex watch. And I and Portia, Ellen's wife, liked it. So I so uh, rich people do this thing where if you like something of theirs, they buy it for you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I kind of. That's of I've noticed it. I can't. I've never done it, but I've noticed it. Yeah. Um. And uh, so I got Portia uh, Timex, and um, and I gave it to her, and uh. <laughs> Ellen goes, that's nice, Neil. Where'd you get it? Woolworths? <laughs> so we do this thing on the show called The Slow Round, which is mostly just memories and things. Like, do you have anything that from childhood that's like you remember on a loop, but it never makes it into a show because it's not a story? Yeah, that's a very good question. And you want to talk about telling on yourself. There was a um, there was a boy in my class, and I murdered him. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and that's, uh, no, I used and this that's is like how a we weird. Got him. <laughs> um, Take him away, boy. Finally, <laughs> where's that buzzer? Um, the uh, no, this is like a weird a thing where I realized looking back that I was kind of it's like a self flagellation thing or like a, a, a self-harm thing where I used to like yank my own teeth out. Oh gosh. Meaning around the time that they were coming out. Okay. I would be, I would make a point of like this Sunday, I'm going to take this one out. Oh my God. Um, it sounds like some psycho Mulaney shit. Um, (laughs) um, this Sunday I'm going to take this out Um, no it's I would pull my own I probably pulled out I want to say like six or eight teeth and they like all of them before they were ready to come out they were none of them all of them were loose I'll say that for myself but there was something weirdly 
self-immolation-y about it that looking back I now recognize. And I, but that the thing about childhood is like, you don't know what's um, your character and what's just kids are fucking weird. Were you embarrassed of it? No, it was a bit of it was like, I can take the pain. I remember that. I remember it being like a Rambo in the movie Rambo (laughs) first blood. He like did his own stitches. Yeah. Being like, yeah, I'd fucking take it. I don't yeah. even know if I'd seen Rambo, but there was just, you know, it's like the ath- the sports thing of like, of, of, you know, these guys are tough and gritty and all that stuff. It's funny. I think that's part of the reason why three mics work so well is because it's such an unexpected turn from you, your stage persona, which is so, I, I, I would say it's tough. Like I would say like yeah. your, yeah, your, comedy is ed- and- your comedy is edgy. And then, you know, towards the end, it starts, uh, you know, uh, reversing the audience where you go, oh shit, like Neil is a real person, like with really deep emotions and feelings. Yeah, I would think the thing, I would, I would, I, the part of the reason I did it, which I should have mentioned earlier, was like, it was a marketing, again, marketing's the wrong word, but like a backward thinking idea of like, why it it's you know working with uh, all these amazing comedians and then also just like a lot of my peers are more charismatic than me but just like a lot of we know a lot of charisma machines yeah you know and 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 kind of explaining why i'm not that yeah yeah was the kind of the point of three mics is like well i got a lot of shit inside yeah that is kind of blocking it from the charisma's in there but it's a little uh it's a little stopped up do you remember a a period in your life where you were an inauthentic version of yourself uh yeah well there's you know when Chappelle show ended and then uh, between Chappelle Show and Three Mics, I was kind of like a little lost. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. Even because, you know, stand-up takes eight to 10 years to really know what you're doing Yeah, for most people. and But most people start when they're 20. Yeah. But I started at 33. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so by the, I was kind of weird. I look back on that period and I'm like, ah, poor guy. I I had to cycle through a lot of bad ideas. Uh, not bad ideas, but just bad values or something. Because like, what do you think the persona was in that? Like, not even the persona. It wasn't, it was just like, what do I, uh, I was kind of like, uh, there was like my time, my life before Chappelle show. And it was like very, very small. And like, I didn't have very many friends and I, me and Dave were like, I just had a couple friends. I would just take, I would just take lives in New York and would just take like three to four hour walks every night. And, um, but didn't have like any kind of community. But what um, was the, what was in inauthentic? What was inauthentic when you like were in that period of your life? Like, well, in the, but I was like in my 30s. So it was like, it's just, I couldn't decide exactly who, 
it's like, am I like a hot shot <laughs> or am I like a, uh, like I have a Prius, yeah. but I'm a, it just, I just wasn't right. sure which way to go. I, you know, what's fucked up. And I had this written down in my notes to not even talk to like, as, as a premise. Yeah. Um, but I wrote down, I'm 47 and still trying to find out what I'm like. <laughs> That's a good premise. <laughs> Where I'm like, hey, what am I like? <laughs> like kind of every interaction with people is like, hey, what am I like? Am I That's... like, uh, what? A... And it's embarrassing that it may never stop. And That's I don't know if it's a so comedy funny. thing or if it's a human thing where even friendships are like, it's like proofreading your own behavior with somebody. We're like, am I an asshole? <laughs> I'm 80. Hey, I'm yeah. 80 years old. Am I an asshole for this? Like oh you, gosh, you will funny. still wonder if you're an asshole. Oh, that's so funny. That's the the great mystery of life. Like, what? Huh? No, I think I I I my my version of that is. What do I like to do? Oh, fuck, nothing. Let me yeah. answer that for you. Not much. Yeah. Like, I, um, I, I so often, when I'm not working and sprinting around, figuring out, you know, uh, you know, going from Cincinnati to Chicago to Milwaukee and then back home to be with my wife and daughter, like, like I'm like, I get home and I'm like, wait, what do I like to do? Yeah. Well, there's also when you realize like, well, I like to read books. All the books are about the job. <laughs> That's funny. You know, all the yeah. documentaries are about you're watching for like research. All <laughs> right, you're the watching movies. the comedy store documentary. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not exactly opposition research, but it's definitely, um, I don't know. It's not exactly leisure. Right, you're reading the the biography of Mike Nichols. It's not exactly yeah. leisure. No, you're not. That's not like, well, I'm not even in show business. <laughs> I'm a plumber. <laughs> I'm just drawn to the guy who directed The Graduate. I'm just curious about it. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Um, like you're not, it's all kind of in the service, which is another thing that's kind of weirdly isolating about the job. Oh my gosh, yeah. Which is why I think, yeah, which is why I like that you're, so collaborative as a person and i feel like you and i have that in common which is like yeah we know it's a solo art but also the more fun aspects are where it becomes like a team sport i think the fun uh i somebody you know when people say uh when you're you're not going to think about your job on your deathbed yeah i kind of think like mm. <laughs> I did pretty cool job. That's I have a pretty really defining. That's very funny. I had a similar premise recently, which is uh people say life isn't a competition, but uh okay, what is it then? <laughs> That's very funny. Because I think yeah. competition is a pretty good guess. Sure seems like it, what with the trophies and the rankings. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Neil Brennan to send a shout out to my friends at Spindrift Sparkling Water. When I was first developing, working it out, 
I was very wary of sponsors. I was like, I only want to have companies mentioned uh, on the on the show that I support what the product is. And it just so happens, at that time, I was drinking a lot of Spindrift sparkling water, so I called them. <laughs> it's just through Twitter, and uh, and then then now they're a sponsor. It's the first sparkling water made with real squeezed fruit, and that's it. That's right. That's it. There's nothing artificial. I get really indignant. There's no natural flavors or added sugars or artificial sweeteners. There's 11 real fruit varieties. Lime, grapefruit, lemon, my favorite, raspberry lime. It's a great alternative to soda. I don't even really drink soda anymore. I just drink Spindrift sparkling water. You can go to drinkspindrift.com and enter a code BURBIGS and you'll get 25% off your order. That's a good deal. Drinkspindrift.com, code BURBIGS. And now, back to the show. What what else do you have in the notebook right now? I'm trying to write a, a bit about... No, sorry, it's your turn. You no, go. no, you go. You go. Okay. Um, I have a thing about college and how it goes from... I'm like the the college should be free because it's basically extra high school. <laughs> That's great. It's just extra high school. It's just extra high school. Like so we went from K through 12 is free and then 13th grade get a loan. That's You so can't afford funny. this. Get a loan. And it's That's like what's happening? Yes. What is happening? What kind of information am I getting? And it's also it's there, it goes from like trial period, 12 year trial period, and then premium is uh, $50,000. Yeah. And then the, the bit that parts it's working, it's like, so is there nothing, there's no other arrangement we can make, like maybe a Spotify thing <laughs> where I go to college, yeah. but I have to listen to ads. <laughs> and then, and then like, uh, like, so you'll be in psychology class and the teacher will be like, and that's when Freud invented the idea of the self. We'll be right back. Oh my um, gosh. And then it's like, speaking of the self, me undies. Oh my gosh. Um, Unbelievable. Does really well. Um, the, that's so funny. By the way, somebody had, is Scott Galloway from the, from Pivot. Somebody said he's doing that idea for real. Um, really? Where it's, like ads on ads at university in in college lectures, which is like, yeah, I don't understand why that they they can everything in the world can do an ad model except that, right? Um, so I think he's going to try it. Uh, but the thing I want to do is like, if college taught really helpful shit, like uh, if there was a class on uh, your friend just got a big career break. And you're jealous. Yeah. Like things that would like, how about my family's fucking crazy 101? <laughs> yeah. Just things that helpful Practical. skills. Right. Yes. Actual yeah. skills. Um, yeah. Maybe how do I break up with this person? Right. My dad. Without them realizing my, it. My dad left when I was six and I'm trying to have a relationship. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um <laughs> Yeah. Hold on. How do I? Person who may be mentally ill. 
maybe he, you know, Neil, you could have maybe just listened to the podcast and written this down later, but. No, you I know, like it. I like hearing learn. the clicking yeah. of keys. It means there's yeah, progress. Yeah, really there's makes progress you feel like occurring. you're doing something. Well, you know what's funny about working jokes out with you, and this is true when we're on the phone too, is you don't laugh that much. You just go, yeah, that, that's funny. No, I know. I'm sorry, because you're a very good laugher. No, and it's, it I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, fishing for compliments, but I. I do no, no, I don't. No, I don't, I'm. I'm. You're fishing for an apology, and you got it. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I don't. I just. I. You know. That's. You're one of the few people I know who isn't broken in that way in comedy, <laughs> where you actually will laugh at a joke like it's like you're not in comedy. Like you, yeah. you're you, you're like a, you're like someone watching a magic trick where you're like, oh shit, um, <laughs> where you have no idea how the person thought of it, um, which is very, which is much better than what I do. And, mo- um, and for that matter, most comedy writers. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I like the college thing a lot. I mean. You have that phenomenal joke in Three Mics about about how college college loans are basically small business loans for a failing business. Yes, you're not a good business. Yeah, <laughs> you're the business is you, and you're not a good business. Yeah. Um, and Mulaney's got the good loan, like a good six minutes on, maybe probably ten minutes on loans. But that's true. Like that's true. Like. I, I man, I wish I had more to kick in on that joke, but it's like, but you're right. I mean, there, like the, there's this, essentially a cliff that you fall off of financially after twelve, uh, grade twelve. It's like you're going along. It's your job. It's like you're literally like you're jogging along. It's like grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, grade, eight, and you get to twelve, and then you fall off a cliff financially. Yeah, and that there, you know, it might be good. Is like you're just jogging. You're just on a like morning jog to first grade, second grade, third grade, thirteenth grade, Iron Man, and you're like Iron Man, <laughs> right? You ever think about your act and go, I got too many analogies. <laughs> <laughs> there's so yes. many fucking analogies in three mics. It's there's probably not getting twenty analogies. No, I'm, I I think about it all the time. It's like when I, when I finish a show. I take a look at the metaphors and I go, wait, does this metaphor actually conflict with the earlier metaphor that I made? Yeah. I just think how many metaphors can the audience bear? How many can they bear? Yeah. My whole life I've eaten macaroni and cheese. Uh, and a, ma- a box of macaroni and cheese contains macaroni and a bag of powder that we are led to believe represents cheese. That's funny. Like the powder, like the powder's about to give a speech. Like we're here today to represent cheese. Cheese couldn't make it, but we're honored that cheese chose us as their replacement. We couldn't yeah. have done it without milk. Special thanks yep. to butter. Yeah. And uh but, yeah. but but really it all comes down to my my partner, macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Neil Brennan to send a shout out to Bomba Socks. Bomba Socks, if you listen to this show, you know that those are the only socks I wear. I, I love the company. I really do. I love this company. I had on the the creators of the company, the CEOs, the, the inventors of the company, 
in December, just because I thought what they were doing is so cool. For every pair of socks they sell, they give a pair uh, to charity. They, they donate it uh, to someone in need. And that's been over 45 million pairs so far. They were like on Shark Tank and this whole thing. But in addition to doing that, which is so awesome, they're great. They're the only socks I wear. They come in different styles for every sport, specific design features to optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. Go to bombas.com slash burbigs today and get 20% off your first order. That's bombas.com slash burbigs for 20% off. And now, back to the show. Do you want to do one more and I'll do one more? You can go. You want me to go? Yeah. Well, this is, you're, you're, okay. I feel like you might have something on this, which is, I apologize a lot, but it's never a slam dunk. It's more like a fadeaway jumper. Mm. Like sometimes people don't even know it happened. <laughs> That's funny. Like, but like, uh, like it, like it's like, sorry. <laughs> like I do the physical, like, sorry. You know, it's almost like, uh, it's like the sorry's just any sentence you say, the sorry's just implied. <laughs> the the sorry's are on the house or something. <laughs> right. What do you, what do you feel sorry about? What do you mo- find yourself most, if there was a, like a pie chart of things you apologize for? I feel like, I feel like I'm all, <laughs> like it's like, leaving a party early like sorry mm-hmm. we have a kid with babysitter and it's, you know it's, uh, and that's what i mean by fadeaway jumper it's always just like it's always like sorry we got the sitter yeah. the uber and we yeah. gotta go to the thing yeah. my parents are and coming early. in the morning and they, yeah. early yeah late early just <laughs> yeah. keywords <laughs> yeah late early run uber strike yeah. Just anything you've heard that yeah. could possibly explain your. I just had a thought, which is like you. This is I don't even want to say this a lot. But it's like you at a certain point, your kid's gonna be twenty, and you're gonna be like, "I my kid, I gotta take my kid to the. <laughs> he's training, <laughs> like running out of excuses. Like my yeah. son, isn't your son a lawyer? Oh. Yeah, but he's. <laughs> ah, he's. That's I gotta, very funny. <laughs> Overusing you, like, your child of, as an excuse yeah. for not doing things. Yeah. Ah, uh, my kid is a practice <laughs> <laughs> chaperone. I like That's that. That's funny. The, the idea of keywords is funny too. Because no yeah. one just like chaperone. Right. I last think actually, time. I think what you're saying is funnier than what my premise is, which is that I don't even say the word sorry. It's just that I have these bullet points of words that feel like sorry yeah you know yeah. like cut my coat uh the key the key the, the keys are gone you know dry cleaner early because <laughs> at a certain point it's people know especially part it's like people know you're lying <laughs> right. so it's like do we need to how much of this charade do you want me to do it's almost right. like that could be the setup where you don't even pretend anymore. You just give keywords of other people's excuses you've heard over the years. Right. They're like medical. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma- grandmother. Medical. P- parking. 
car, Un- early, <laughs> late. Uncle, Uncle Bill's, yeah. I Something. Got yeah. I think that's um, good. That's actually, I like that better than my premise, actually. Which, the, the, the idea of just like throwing out keywords in an apologetic tone all the time. Yeah. And just that's how you leave parties now. I wonder if I'll ever reach a point where I'm not apologizing all the time. I feel like that's one of my that's one of my goals in life. Yeah, that's the one of the advantages of being old. Is you right. just go ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, ah. I don't and people kind of fill it in for you. You think ah yeah. And they go old, sickly, dying soon. Uh, always been this way. That's how they used to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the assumptions of like why and and it's also kind of the you're like a commanding officer when you're older socially. Yeah. You can just get away with shit because you've seen it all. Yeah, like you just be like, I this is my fifteen hundredth party, right. And I don't, as you can imagine, the appeal's worn off. Yeah. So I'm leaving. Um, I had a, I had a, I have a, not a similar, I, I, I've been, a lot of my shit's about being a white liberal man. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and I have a bit now where I say, where I do a thing where I'm like, women have all the power in relationships, like, Men can't say anything. And then I'm like, actually, it's not just, it's liberal white men can't say anything, (laughs) have no power in a relationship. Like, as a liberal white man, I have to go to protests against myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's Where, like, I, I just have to go. And, like, where is that? Like, when the George Floyd protests happened, I was like, Where's my sign from the women's march? Right. Ah, yes. <laughs> White men's are the problem. <laughs> and then I have to go and fucking, yeah. I'm the worst. Um, <laughs> but like I, conservatives the, don't have that issue. No, they get, they're, they're still sexist. It's like baked in that they're sexist. They're in the misogyny bubble. The be, The funniest part of the joke is I say like, women, you might have your, it might be an uphill climb because I was at the Women's March in 2017 and it's me and just a bunch of other 150-pound boyfriends. Oh, and, my uh, God. And, and, uh, and, I, and I look over to Guy and he's, he's holding a sign that says, this is what a feminist looks like with an arrow pointed at him. And he and I made eye contact and he went... <laughs> He just shook his head at me like, yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. Uh, that part fucking crushes. Oh, that's very funny. Uh, I realized it was a visual joke on a yeah audio audio podcast. podcast. Yeah. A huge problem. I think the protesting yourself thing is very also very fertile for like an analogy because it's yeah it's very fertile for like it's like. Um, for like if you were playing it's like if you were playing basketball you know and then uh you score a few for the other team too yeah it's like it just it's a it's counter to i mean equality human equality is not 
that's not what capitalism is for. It's yeah. not an equality mechanism. So there's all these things that are in us. And then, and then for, I genuinely be for, believe for some white people, they never thought about the counter until like two years ago. The counter? Like, wait, what? The counter of like, wait, this is not income inequality. Why shouldn't there be? I went to good school. Yeah, but the reason you went to good school is because the education system's rigged and, oh, uh, what, huh? Yeah. Like, there's, they have better, you have better, edu- like, it's, uh, even schools are based on property taxes. What? And so if you live in a rich neighborhood, it's better facility. Oh. Um, <laughs> just I like, like that oh, character fuck. that you're doing. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, really? Wait, so what, what about... So am I as tall as I think I am or no? In some ways, what what social justice is asking for is, it's, I said this before, which is, it's the white people are in a position now where the airline is saying, we need three volunteers. Yes. To give up their seat. And white people are staring at their phones. <laughs> So the final thing we do is called Working Out for a Cause. And if you have a nonprofit that you uh, think is doing a good job, I'll contribute to them and link them in the show notes. I don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, um, no, charities. No. Uh, I don't, I think they all, I've, you know what I've been given to, and I think I'm probably going to do this forever. If you saw, there's a movie, there's a documentary on HBO called Exterminate All Brutes which is uh, probably the most brutal look at colonization, imperialism, and slavery I've ever seen. It's on HBO Max. But I've been giving to Native American and uh, Black charities for, like, I think that's it. I think those are the people I'm going to be giving to forever. And it's... TexasCivilRightsProject.org. Okay. Well, I'm going to contribute to them, and uh, and I will c- encourage listeners to do it as well. And thanks for coming on, Neil. This is uh, oh, buddy, come on. This is yeah, a pleasure and an honor. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out with Neil Brennan. You can follow Neil on at Neil Brennan on Instagram. You can listen to his podcast, How Neil Feel. He is, uh, he's one of the, I believe, one of the great comic minds. He has, I don't even know if he's telling people this. He's got a new show, live show, coming to a place near you. Just follow him because his new show is really, truly incredible. Um, my special thanks to Neil Brendan. Our producers of Working It Out are myself along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet Jay Hopestein. Our book, The New One, is at your local bookstore. What, what better time to support your local bookstore, then now, go get, go pick up some books. 
As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created our radio fort. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Tell, you know what? Reach out to the enemies. Shoot the enemies an email. See what they're up to. You tell them about this show. Because we're working it out. See you next time, everybody.